0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. I am the still new host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. We know that employees spend a lot of time and energy on the entire employee life cycle from sourcing to onboarding straight through retention, engagement, and of course uh, exit interviews. Part of making sure that your workforce is not only successful but is also engaged surrounds mentoring. You could have the best product, the most modern workspace, and have hired the best talent, but if you aren't mentoring your employees, your organization could still perform poorly or even fail. Fortunately, we are joined today by an expert in the field of mentoring, Randy Emelo. Randy is the Principal Consultant at Core Connections, LLC. It's a Denver-based company that designs leadership development and organizational improvement solutions. Randy has more than 25 years of experience in management, training, and leadership development, and is a prolific author, speaker, and thought leader on topics relating to collaboration, mentoring, innovation, and leadership development. He's consulted with over 70 Fortune 500 companies, including McDonald's and even several branches of the armed services on how to create more effective mentoring programs. He holds a master's degree in organizational design and effectiveness from Fielding Graduate University in Santa Barbara. He also recently published a book, Modern Mentoring which I'm told is available now from ATD Press. Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate being here.
0: We've just heard a little bit about your qualifications and experience. Maybe you could tell us in your professional experience, just why is mentoring so important?
1: Yeah, no problem, Jim. Uh, The first you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually try to answer this question in two parts. So I think there's the importance to the individual. So the person who engages in mentoring as a mentee or a mentor or both roles, uh, I think that there are unique values that come from the process of mentoring that you really can't substitute any other way. Uh, and those values have to do with, you know, feeling socially supported and uh, getting access to tacit or implicit understandings of how things work. Think of it as the craft know-how or tribal wisdom. Uh, It really doesn't come easily to people any other way outside of the bond of relationship. And so mentoring, I think, has a very important part or plays a very important part in helping individuals Grow in their professional life as well as stay, uh, personally, uh, connected and grounded, uh, to the, uh, organizational community, so to speak. Uh, for the organization, the, uh, value is very high as it relates to workforce engagement. So in, in my professional experience, it's kind of a newer uh, key performance indicators that most organizations use to kind of determine how motivated and uh, the, you know, individuals within the organization are. And uh, mentoring has uh, statistically shown to correlate with eight of the Q12, which support workforce engagement Um, analytics. It just simply means that if people engage in mentoring, they're much more likely to stay retained uh, within that organization and feel like there are growth opportunities for them and they don't have to seek that elsewhere. So it really helps with uh, attracting talent as well as retaining talent. And um, what we've realized through newer forms of mentoring that it actually can be Um, can increase time to competency. And in that regard, it becomes, has a high productive value for organizations.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Um, An HR session that I attended not too long ago, a speaker asked the audience, there were about several hundred people there, um, if they had grown up wanting to be in HR. Um, And no one raised their hand and everybody laughed. Um, But here they were, they were doing this critically important job What about you? Did you always want to be a mentor or was there something later in life that gave you that drive?
1: Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. I I love really sharing kind of my mentoring journey, so to speak. And I really do look at uh, mentoring as a transformational process. It usually has a beginning and it usually takes you somewhere. Um, I would have also said no to that answer. I uh, did not envision myself working in HR. Uh, I was an engineer. I started off, uh, working, uh, in the military. I was a nuclear engineer. I worked on reactor systems on submarines. And, uh, what I discovered through my military experience and my 10 years in, uh, in the Navy was that I really enjoyed the leadership aspects of the work far more than the engineering challenges. And so my uh, passions got ignited uh, more in the, in the realm of organizational and leadership development. Actually, mentoring played a catalytic role in that. So um, when I went into the military, um, I didn't really have a high appreciation of my own capabilities. Um, I really didn't think that highly of myself. Uh, and it was really through uh, a couple of critical mentoring relationships, one in particular, Kenneth Henry, uh, who influenced me and helped me to really realize my potential. He actually saw capabilities in me I didn't see in myself and really challenged me strongly to stretch myself and to do more. And to actually, um, he nominated me and challenged me to. Uh, try to qualify for the nuclear program and I was accepted and I excelled in that. So in a, in a large sense, mentoring really catalyzed my professional journey. And uh, and I have had several other uh, critical mentors uh, over my career development experience, but I just have moved further and further into um, the relational aspects of helping people and helping organizations to build a sense of communal connection. And I think that um, in my judgment, my humble judgment, mentoring is just a fantastic vehicle to do that. It's uh, it's truly personal and uh, uh, impactful from a performance standpoint at the same time.
0: Well, thank you for recounting that. I think that'll help characterize for our, a lot of our listeners that have entered mentoring roles but never saw themselves there and might say to themselves, well, I'm not, I'm not a mentor because I, I didn't train to become one. But uh, just like HR, people get put in there and they find meaning and value. And hopefully it helps, helps them grow. Um, we did mention your book, Modern Mentoring, that was published last year by ATD Press. Uh, what is modern mentoring, and how is it different from traditional mentoring?
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, uh, so modern mentoring, or you know, why the adjective modern? Well, mentoring has obviously been around uh, for as long as mankind has been here. It's it's a primary way of learning through the experience of others. The modern approach to mentoring for organizations is you know, kind of new in the sense that uh, when I got involved in mentoring over 20 years ago, it was something that was done with just a handful of select people. And uh, I had a client who wanted to, in a sense, bring mentoring to the masses. So how do we open up the value and the purpose of mentoring and make it accessible to everyone? So in a sense, modern mentoring is simply collaborative learning. Now, it has goals and objectives, and both parties or the multiple parties who engage in the process are consciously aware of the fact that they are investing or they are taking from the experience of others. So it is an intentional relationship. In that regard, it's not media sharing, is not mentoring, in my judgment. There needs to be... Uh, Goals and boundaries, and you need to be able to measure performance improvements uh, in those areas. And I think that that, that then constitutes uh, an intentional mentoring relationship. But the modern approach to mentoring is multifaceted. So um, mentoring today, uh, people in, in a modern sense, uh, our approach to mentoring, it's much more flexible, accessible. People. Um, Play both roles, both mentee and mentor, a lot of times concurrently. Uh, it happens outside of formal programs, but it also happens within formal programs. And those formal programs that the organization sponsored to develop the processes and to support the development of the workforce through mentoring, they actually craft a lot of different, unique, uh, and specific needs. So they, um, what makes it modern is that it's, it's uh, democratized within organizations, meaning um, a lot more people can enter into the process and they have a lot more personal volition about what they use the process for. So it's now no longer used to just break the glass ceiling within organizations and to move people in the lower levels of the organization into higher levels of, of the organization. It's also now being used for role-based development, it's used to onboard people. It's used for uh, frontline uh, leadership development programs, as well as high potential support, and and uh, so on. So basically, anywhere where someone is making a um, a transition from one function or one uh, operation or one kind of. Um, uh, Work focus within the organization, shifting their focus to something else, an expanded role or expanded scope of responsibility, or maybe working in a different part of the organization. Wherever those transformational points or elements are in an organization, uh, modern mentoring can be used to help facilitate the development that needs to take place uh, for that person to successfully and confidently move into those those new expectations. So. In a sense, modern mentoring is flexible. It's also virtualized. A lot of mentoring today uh, happens uh, via um, computer-mediated, uh, you know, vehicles such as uh, using uh, using webcasts and things like that, as well as email and Slack, uh, using IM technologies or mobile technologies. To help people stay connected, but they may never actually meet in the real world. So that, that would be a huge difference from traditional mentoring, which always happened over coffee somewhere uh, and face to face and two people. The other thing about modern mentoring is that um, the rise of group mentoring has uh, been pretty prevalent, I'd say, over the last five or six years. Uh, group mentoring has become not just the norm, but it's become the preference. And so people learning in a, a, a group environment where there might be uh, several mentors who have more experience, but they're leading the development of, um, of a whole group of people who, who want to learn those skills or practices. So uh, modern mentoring is multifaceted.
0: It sounds like modern mentoring has, you know has all these facets, has all these aspects. Um, and I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering, you know, one, if they are engaging in mentoring, are they doing enough? And also, if they know that they need to start a mentoring program at their organization, but they they don't have one yet, you know, how could they approach embracing, Um, modern mentoring what are some steps that they could take to bring those concepts to life
1: yeah I I think that the best way to to start um, if you are in a smaller organization or um, really the size of the organization is almost irrelevant unless um, unless you know you're an organization of two or three Uh, but once you have kind of functional discretion within an organization. So you have, you know, multiple functions and groups of people who are working within those functions. I think that you're at a great place to, to start mentoring. And I would, I would look for where, uh, where is a problem that you can solve that's dependent on sharing experience. So if, um, if you need breakthrough in sales, then use mentoring to develop your sales force. If, uh, you're having turnover in a customer support center and you want to slow that down, uh, deploy mentoring as a methodology to, um, help people feel more connected and supported, uh, within, within that environment to uh, create more longevity. Um, so I would say always start with a problem and then look and see how mentoring can help you begin to solve it. And don't worry about trying to create something that's grand and complex. Start with something that uh, that meets an immediate need. Um, and what I've learned is that you can always add complexity as new needs emerge. And as you gain more experience on crafting Kind of intentional mentoring connections to support um, development you know the, the organizational objectives uh, then then the complexity will kind of materialize it'll, it'll kind of grow with as your needs shift and change so a lot of times a great place to start with mentoring is onboarding helping people you know create a simple buddy program that's short duration uh, and the mentors, uh, play more of a kind of an ambassador role to the new uh, new employees who are coming in to help them learn the ropes, so to speak, um, and share the burden. So they have someone outside of their dir- direct manager that they can go to for social emotional support and to help, you know, ask those questions that they would just be reticent to ask um, the person who they're reporting to because of, you know, the authority issue that's involved in those reporting relationships. So begin to provide that kind of uh, mentoring and then look at uh, places like uh, wherever you need to help people make, again, those career transitions, those individual contributors that are now going to take on budgetary responsibilities or project responsibilities or people development responsibilities. And at those, at those critical points, it's great to get the people who already are in those roles to mentor the people who you want to groom or prepare for those roles. Uh, and wherever you have education already existing, so you're training people it could be your sales people, it could be operational people, it could be administrative support uh, training that you're doing. Wherever you're training people, uh, look at bringing mentoring alongside to take what they're learning um, conceptually in those training events and then uh, create a developmental process where they get a mentor or guide who is already a more seasoned practitioner. In those, uh, in those areas you're training for and, uh, you know, create some intentional mentoring relationships where then they guide uh, the people who finish those educational experiences for six or nine months on the job and they're available to help support their development as they begin to, to deploy those new practices.
0: You know, whenever HR has to develop a new program, they almost always have to justify it to, you know, the executives. Um, And usually that means a discussion of costs. So what would you say to a small organization in particular that doesn't think that it has the resources to start a mentoring program?
1: Uh, Well, I think mentoring is one of the cheaper programs you'll ever run in the sense that um, you don't have to go get a bunch of uh, materials, uh, you, you, you don't have to invest in uh, lots of training. You can do simple web searches. You can look up my name on the internet and I've written uh, over 50 articles, feature articles on mentoring and how to mentor. And What you need to really look at is to simply help to demystify the process and operationalize it. So you have to give people a reason to engage it that fits into their work environment. That's probably the most critical thing. The second element that you would need to look at is, how do you help people understand what the role and the responsibility of being a good mentee, and by good, I mean, you know, how to engage the process uh, uh, thoughtfully um, and intentionally. And intentionally. And how to be a good mentor. So, you know, what are the roles and responsibilities that you want the mentor and the mentee to live up to? And simply um, indoctrinate them into those practices and uh, trust, uh, you know, trust that the human dynamics take over. And if both parties commit to the relationship, then what we found or what I found over the last 20 years is that by and large, they make the relationship work. It's when the organization kind of overstructures programs and they get in the middle of these relationships and really try to micromanage them, that um, that we see,, you know, people not getting a lot of value out of the process. So too much structure, too much stricture, uh, too many limitations, too many constraints, too much time demand, all those things will cause people to not fully engage the process. But uh, if you get them into the relationship and committed to some goals and objectives and developmental goals and objectives, then by and large, nature takes over and the relationship works out. Yeah,
0: It seems to me like mentoring at, and to another extent being mentored, it's sort of a leadership role You know, and people, um, whatever their role is at at an organization, but particularly in HR, you know, leadership isn't necessarily what they're doing. What they're doing is more organizational. So what would you say to someone that's now because they're starting a mentoring program, they feel like they have to be bold or they have to be connected. What if they feel that they're too shy or too afraid or or even too awkward to be an effective mentor?
1: Yeah, we run into that. So the reluctant mentor, Um, a lot of it just comes around um, having courage and trust in your experience. Mentors are only responsible to share the things that they have personal experience with. And I would encourage mentors to only share those things you feel confident about, meaning you don't have to be the sole source of understanding or knowledge for somebody else. Uh, and you don't even really have to be, um, you know, a subject matter expert unless you're doing expert mentoring. A lot of times it's just sharing your common experiences that you've had. So what's so for you or what happened to you? And a lot of times uh, the most valuable thing that a mentor can share that. the are their personal struggles and the things that didn't really work out or their attempts that they made that, that didn't net them the results that they were looking for. So in a sense, person just needs to be authentic uh, and uh, transparent. They need to be willing to be honest about their journey as it relates to the developmental subject or topic at hand. So I would, um, encourage those people who may not be, you know, um, really expressive or extroverted, that uh, that's that's really not what's required. What's required is um, just being in touch with your own journey and being willing to share that openly and honestly with somebody else. Um, those typically create the most effective and most powerful Uh, transformational experiences for the mentee.
0: In your book, you mention a major presentation at a global pharmaceutical company. Do you mind recounting that story for us now?
1: Sure. Uh, It it was, um, the story is interesting only in the sense that perceptions around what mentoring is and how it operates today is is uh quite varied and and sometimes there are some limited or narrow viewpoints as to you know what mentoring is and how it operates so the what happened is that um was working with a major global pharmaceutical company and uh working with their senior uh their senior talent development team to modernize the approach to mentoring and to help people to create relational networks uh, that are more fluid and dynamic. And uh, I start this, I had uh, 200 of the uh, most senior leaders uh, in this organization had all gathered and I had them in one room. And so I did this exercise I've I've done uh, for many years um, called Ask the Expert that actually mirrors kind of a modern approach uh, to, to mentoring, which is more focused on network knowledge sharing. and um, so I gave my presentation and uh, did did this exercise, which is about a 35, 40 minute exercise that was you know very dynamic, very well engaged. And at the uh, at the end of uh, the presentation and the exercise, um, got a standing ovation actually from everyone in the crowd, everyone, uh, seemed to really engage the process really well. And then the senior leader, uh, the most senior leader in the person in the organization came up and that this person was the sponsor for mentoring. And they got up and they said, hey, everything Randy said was great, except uh, what he talked about is not mentoring. And basically began to uh, give his version of what mentoring is, which is uh, very limited uh, kind of career-based mentoring for upward mobility, kind of a very junior person with a very senior person. And really, the type of mentoring I was talking about is more of the engaged conversations that we have with with our peers and colleagues uh, as we lean on them to share and, and gain critical insights uh, around um, our productive activities. And so at the end of the day, the story just illustrates that um, this organization went ahead and went forward and implemented this more modern approach uh, uh, to mentoring, but understand that a lot of organizations, especially more senior people in organizations, see mentoring in a very limited way and kind of see it as something that very junior people engage with very senior people and try to keep it limited to only high potential development versus something that literally every employee engages in as a natural course of of routine corporate behavior
0: yeah you know i find that to be you know somewhat stunning that you know he says it's valuable and then says but that's not really you know that's not really what we're we're talking about, what would you say to others that run into the same kind of situation where someone's limiting uh, and negatively limiting, you know, their understanding of what mentoring is?
1: Yeah, I, what we started to come up with is really, you don't have to call it mentoring for it to have its effects. And it's relational based knowledge sharing where people are sharing personalized information, uh, and both in a give and take manner with with, uh, with others and really creating a networked approach to creating, uh, you know, a personal learning network is kind of the larger, more modern concept towards how mentoring works today. And so really, you can drop the trappings in, in this case, some of the pitfalls of the um, kind of rigid frameworks that some older people have around how mentoring operates by simply not calling it mentoring so it can do the effects in the and can have the effects and the impacts of mentoring but you can call it uh, collaborative learning uh, or you could call it you know personalized learning or creating a personal learning network it, that's one way of dealing with it is to simply step outside of the the traditional framework of mentoring by using different terminology Uh, if you are going to use mentoring and you you have senior leaders who see mentoring as a very kind of limited lockstep process that has to be formally managed by the organization um, then um, then there needs to be some education with these senior leaders around the younger generations and how they approach mentoring, mentoring for someone who is a millennial or, um, you know, is under the age of 35 is going to be, uh, is going to be much more of a, of a fluid process. It's less rigid, uh, less bound or cast by um, hierarchical framework. So not always looking to people who are two levels above them, and uh, either in the same or in a different function in the organization, they're simply gonna, they they simply look at their whole network of relationships as a give and take uh, kind of environment where they're they're both giving of their understanding and taking from the understanding of others. And they kind of do that in a very natural way, uh, much like eating or breathing. And so, um, organizations can simply look to re-educate the workforce as to what the value of these uh, transactional knowledge-sharing processes are and how to engage them more effectively and more thoughtfully.
0: Those are those are some great ideas. Um, I know you've worked with a number of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, do you have an example, obviously without naming any names, of one that just got their approach to mentoring dead wrong?
1: Well. Um, I do have a, a stunning example of an organization that uh, kind of violated all the basic tenets of mentoring. Um, and by that meaning that mentoring war is a relationally bound process. So it's all built off of intrinsic or personal motivation to want to share uh, personalized information, that craft know-how or tacit knowledge, the things that you gather through experience and through doing, um, and what you've discovered to work, and and the nuances of how uh, you know those practices uh, are applied effectively. And so, because it's conditioned based off of relationship, um, some of the violations that I've seen that really force mentoring to quickly break down or move into what's called pseudo mentoring, where it's mentoring in name only, but it really doesn't, there's not real personalized knowledge sharing happening, is typically when it gets mandated. And so there's a an organization early on that I worked with that they looked at everyone that had, uh, you know, 8 to 15 years of experience and they called them mentees in an organization, and then everyone with greater than 15 years experience were the mentors. And then they made it mandatory that, that everybody have a mentoring partner that fit that criteria and that these relationships had to last a year and they had to document uh, what the substance of the conversations were. And at the end of the day, what ended up happening is that um, we Since they were using our software that we had created to facilitate mentoring, um, we actually had uh, transcripts of the conversations that were happening. And people were literally what I would call pencil whipping the process. They were contacting somebody who knew a friend of a friend and, and who happened to be two levels above them in the organization and have the right tenure and they basically contacted them and said, Hey, I'll buy you a six pack if you'll sign off and be my mentor. And um, so, it, it, what ended up happening is that it ended up being a catastrophic fail across the organization. Uh, real mentoring really didn't happen because the, the intent on the organizational part was kind of right in the sense that, hey, they thought mentoring was good, we need everyone involved in mentoring, so let's make it mandatory, and by the way, to make it mandatory, here are the rules for the process. But in creating those kind of rigid rules and boundaries without any uh, intrinsic or personal motivation for people to, or any understanding as to why they would be engaging the process, how it's going to make them more productive, or how it's going to increase their value to the organization or how the process is going to return value to them. uh, It really just, you know, came apart.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that is stunning. I mean, uh, what happens to those people that went through this process, you know, and felt like it didn't, it didn't do anything for them? Are they likely to respond the next time a mentoring situation comes up yeah um
1: so because of the nature of mentoring and it is so personal and uh the the metaphor that i use is it's much like shopping for a church that if someone has a poor experience um you know trying to go to a synagogue or a uh you know, uh, uh, a church of whatever they're choosing might be. And they they go there and they really feel like an outsider and it doesn't resonate with them. It doesn't bring value to them. Then they typically don't go back for five years. That's what research tells us. And mentoring is pretty much the same way, that if people have a poor experience with mentoring, that that they really don't seek it out and they will shun it or they will uh, simply avoid it. Uh, and, and not return to it so in this case uh, we were able to reintroduce the process but we had to reintroduce the process um, and we, we got about a 30% uptake instead of the normal 60 to 65% uptake uh, just simply because it had damaged um, people's perception as to what mentoring is it was such a poor experience
0: I'd- were you able to help them in the end? Well, we were
1: able to reintroduce uh, concepts around creating personal learning networks and moving it towards a a more peer peer learning uh, instead of for career, um, career mentoring. And we, uh, we asked for volunteers who wanted to participate versus making it mandatory. And we were able to, uh, you know to reinvigorate you know the process and get it going but it's certainly uh, we had to drop all of the kind of formal rules that the organization wanted to impose on the process
0: well you know we, uh, we always like to leave on a good note over here so I'm gonna ask you the same question but the other way do you have an example of a company that had a unique approach and one that worked
1: so we have, I have a, a, a case of, a, of an organization that really wanted to come in and, and uh, provide mentoring for all of its employees and have it be more self-directed in that will. <clears throat> and what they did was they, um, they came in and they, they, first of all, asked people, who thought mentoring would be a good idea, and they surveyed them, and then they asked them if they were willing to be a mentee or a mentor, and uh, they use competencies to have people uh, self-identify what areas they were willing um, to advise others on and what areas they wanted development on, and in this particular organization, we were able to um, out out of the people who kind of raised their hand, um, they were able to get more than 65% of the people engaged in the process, and they were all able to um, find, uh, you know, both mentor and mentee. What we, and some of the, the outstanding results that we saw wa- was that 93% of the people um, said that they were willing to be both mentee and mentor. And we were able to get everyone's uh, kind of needs met in the sense that everyone who asked for a certain type of development or a certain type of mentoring, or they requested a certain type of mentoring, that there were resources or mentors or people willing to mentor them in those areas that made an appropriate fit. So, in that case, that organization um, was able to. was able to do what i uh, develop a, a new type of mentoring that I call semi-formal, where people um, basically self-nominate um, and they're able to match people up based off of requested need instead of having to mandate or dictate who a bunch of roles and strictures around who is going to be a mentor, who is going to be a mentee. Uh, and so on. And mostly the um, the focus in that organization was simply educating people into uh, the unique values of being both mentee and mentor and how um, how easy the process is to actually engage.
0: It sounds like such a contrast to the you know the other company mandated everything, made all these rules, and this company, you know, kind of leaves it leaves it open and lets people make their own decisions. And clearly, the results are are very different.
1: Yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point. So, so really, there's there's kind of a continuum of formal to informal uh, mentoring method um, modalities, I would say. And so, what we found is that organizations really need both. So organizations who do, the, do mentoring really well, they do mentoring that supports just about every educational um, program or initiative that they have. So wherever they're trying to create um, a sustained culture change or wherever they're trying to help people to take on new, uh, new skills or abilities or make critical career transitions – so for instance, people who are onboarding into the organization, those people who are moving from individual contributor into supervisory or managerial kind of roles in the organization, those people who are taking on large uh, project management type scope of responsibility, those people are moving into middle management or into senior levels of executive leadership. Um, and literally every, every one of these critical tra- career transitions Uh, They use mentoring to support the development that helps to uh, cultivate uh, the critical talent, skills, understanding, sensibilities uh, to perform those functions or to move into those roles with confidence. Um, And so sometimes the organization actually needs to impose rules and strictures around how that operates and who the mentors are going to be. So if you're helping someone move into, say, more senior um, operational roles where they they have a, a change in scope of operational responsibility, and there might be kind of uh, certain technologies or certain methodologies and procedures or processes or certifications that people need to pursue in order to prepare themselves to take on those roles with confidence. That they also have, you know, more senior um, people who have been in that role uh, that can help that person who's trying to move into that role, uh, take on those new skills and abilities with confidence. Um, And they provide, you know, kind of mentoring uh, along with the other formal and informal learning, uh, you know, modes uh, to make those transitions. And in those cases, there's sometimes very specific training that has to happen with those mentors so that they can become an active guide that guides the developmental activity of those mentees. And so in those cases, we would say formal mentoring is absolutely appropriate and right. And there are other times when people are just seeking to gain new awarenesses or new understandings, um, or they want to sample out or maybe see, you know, what would it be like if I took on, um, you know, a, a, a a certain career path or a certain career direction, but I want to know before I go or before I commit to that, are there people I can connect with that would help me understand, do I have what it takes to actually, um, thrive in that part of the organization or in that role or taking on that set of responsibilities and they can connect and get that, you know, um, that's more of that self-directed mentoring that we're talking about for kind of personalized career development where I may just be sampling it out. I'm not really making, I'm not moving all my chips into the center of the table and saying, you know, this is what I'm going to be. I just want to kind of see. And that kind of mentoring needs to be more informal. And uh, when you're actually, when the organization is expending a lot of resources or they have very critical roles that they, they need to make sure that um, people are fully capable and confident in taking on those roles and responsibilities. That um, in those cases, the organization is absolutely in their right and should use more formalized processes to both prepare the mentees and the mentors and sometimes even do psychometric uh, evaluations and things like that to make sure that people have the right cognitive uh, capabilities and awarenesses to, be, to actually step into those roles and responsibilities, as well as having that mentor, that guide that is helping them on the job uh, kind of uh, fit the new duties, roles and responsibilities um, into their work role.
0: Well, thanks for taking the time to, to explain, uh, explain that. That all sounds um, very useful. And also, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, listeners, we are always interested in any suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast or with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.